And suddenly you've done it all. You've won me over in no time at all. And now I'll stop the storm if it rains. I'll light up a path far from here. I'll make your fear melt away and the world we know disappear. That's a song called The Gift by Angels and Airwaves from the 2006 album, We Don't Need to Whisper. Um, I chose those lyrics because I think Angels and Airwaves are an excellent band. Um, all their songs have like really like um, good meanings and good uh, lyrics to them. And they're a little bit deeper than your average band, in my opinion. Um, Tom DeLonge, he was a singer for one of the singers for uh, Blink-182. Um, he just, what happened was Blink-182, like they kind of like had a break around 2005. And then Tom DeLonge decided to start another band. Um, he said it's more like an art project with larger human themes that tackles them in different mediums. Um, so it started off as kind of like a project. Um, and Angels and Airwaves still around, and that's Tom DeLong's like that's like his main band. I hope I'm saying his name right. DeLong. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, so their first two albums, they were influenced by Radiohead and Pink Floyd. Um, they combined them with the grandiosity of U2. But just these lyrics, isolating these lyrics, um, I've been hearing the song The Gift a lot on my playlist and playing it a lot. Um, it's just one of those things. It's like um, when someone wins you over with something they do, a good gesture, consistent actions that matches their words, um, they really impress you. Um, it's just like, and suddenly you've done it all. You've won me over in no time at all. It happens in no time at all. You know, that person won you over. Uh, you're committed to them as a friend, as a person in your life. They're not negative energy. They're not toxic. They're not emotional vampires. Um, and this song also has a wider meaning. I mean, some people think it's about Jesus because the next lyrics is, and now I'll stop the storm if it rains. I'll let up a path far from here. I'll make your fear melt away and the world we know disappear. So some people, you know, they view it as religious because obviously the name of the band is Angels on Airways, but you can interpret it however you want. Um, so yeah, it's just one of those, those lyrics. It really hits me. I like angels and airwaves and I decided to use them on episode 33 today. Joe, how you doing? Not bad. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not bad, Sean. How are you, my friend? Not bad, man. Uh, work today, have off tomorrow, but, uh, I gotta go to the dentist tomorrow. We'll talk about that in a second, but what do these lyrics mean to you? You know, I, I, and you know me, I'm pretty, I'm usually the one that's, that's usually deep in the, in the stuff, especially when you talk about Jesus or this or that. I, I, but I just, I, I saw these lyrics, I just looked at them and, and I just, for me, what it, it you got to go with your initial, I mean, after you mentioned Jesus, I'm like, yeah, wow, that's cool. But, um, and suddenly uh, you've done it all, you won me over. When you, when you meet somebody, when you meet some, that special girl, and then it's like, you know, after like two dates or three, it's, it's, it's a relatively brief period of time, but you fall kind of quickly. We've all done that. And this, the stuff about it now, I'll stop the storm. If it rains, I'll light up the path. I'll do all these things. I'll do just about anything for you, girl. You know, I'm just so crazy about you. This is unbelievable. You're thinking, um, you're thinking like more romantic. Yeah, more of a romantic and the world we know will disappear if you're in the mix with somebody you really, really you feel that way about. And, and those moments you have together, it's like the rest of the world disappears. It's, it's sort of it's sort of like that for me. That That's 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 kind of what you know, what that's what it did for me. It struck up those kind of, um, you know, but that, that's why you that's why we do this, because, you know, interpretations can vary. But th that's kind of what it was to me. Head over heels in love. And, and you know, and, and you're that way until <laughs> until it wears off. And ultimately, usually it does. It could be several weeks. It could be several months, sometimes even longer. But eventually it's like, you know, you know, you know <laughs> why did you put that there? Because you told me to put it there. I didn't put it. You know, 
it, 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 it eventually wears off, but it's, it's that beautiful beginning. Um, the beautiful beginning when, when everything is just right chemistry wise and, oh, you know, call in the middle of the day. I can't wait to see you tonight, baby. Yeah. This kind of thing. And vice versa. She calls you or this, this surprises you with this. And it, it's the early part of relationship. That's, um, that's really amorous and close and, and the, all those good things um before you know before time erodes a lot of it but that's what that's what it meant to me my bro yeah because the beginning, the beginning of the song um it's uh i've got a gift and it blew me away far from the from the far eastern sea straight to here oh god i feel like i'm in for it now it's like the rush has gone straight to my brain but my voice is as lonely as loud as i whisper a joy of this pain um, so it really is a deep song. Um, yeah, it's a deep song, but the lyric, the, the lyrics that really replay to replay in my mind all the time is, um, you've won me over in no time at all. Um, just if someone can win you over in no time at all, it's like, that's a really special gift because, you know, I got my walls up with a lot of people I meet. I'm very hesitant on who I let in my life. Um, especially from learning from a lot of experiences, you get to know somebody quickly and you give them too much information or you're too open with them. Uh, oh, you got to watch that, bro. Yeah, yeah. I do know what you're saying there. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, you can't you, trust is a beautiful thing, Sean, until you're giving it away too too cheap, you know, too inexpensively, too quickly. Trust is something that really has to be earned. That's all. And to, 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 to divulge something like that to somebody, you better trust them. So that's just, you know, you know, I mean, personal things when I say something like that. I mean, you know, real personal stuff, yeah. you know, anyway, that's the way I can get like uh kind of romantic, this song too. Cause if you look at other lyrics, um, he says, I swear I'll melt if you touch me at all. Um, so yeah, it's that kind of stuff that, you know, and, 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 you know, it's just that, that's that. And suddenly you've done it all. You won me all in no time at all. Like it's quickly. And we've all been there and quickly. And after the third date or so, oh my God, does that, you know, and now, now, now that you've won me over, I'm, I'll do anything for you, you know, whatever it is and da, da, da. and just the normal, um, you know, I, I, and I have, I have, I'm telling you, that's what's so, that's kind of what's such a drag about breaking up with somebody. When you break up, you, 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 you think to yourself, how the hell did we get here when we used to be? He used to be there, man. What the hell happened? And I guess sometimes it's just, it's just, you know, it's, it's not even that the two of you changed. I guess sometimes it's just, um, if it's real and it's meant to be, it'll, it'll, it'll stay. And I guess, I guess two people have to, uh, really commit to, to, to keeping it alive and doing all those things and just life happens, man. But you'd be, you'd be shocked at how many, how many how many relationships start like that like over the top just crazy just like you know and could be three months could be six months could be two years sometimes could be could be longer than that but things things change you know things change it's not always necessarily the person to change it's just situations or whatever i don't know it's just it's one of those things that makes you scratch your head but uh I didn't see those early, the early part of the, the song when they talk about any Middle Eastern reference that that may have persuaded me a little bit differently, but I don't know. Uh, I just looked at those things and I try to go with the, the first thing, especially when they're yours, when they're my lyrics, I, you know, I, but when they're yours, I just try to read it over real quickly. And the first thing that pops to my head is what I owe you. You know what I mean? Because that's usually the best way to do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, so good. Uh, Angels and Airwaves, excellent band, uh, mm-hmm. solid lyrics. Uh, a lot of people probably know their song called The Adventure. That was like one of their big like mainstream hits. Uh, but they have a lot of bangers. They got a lot of good songs. And like I said, like their, their lyrics and song themes are a little bit deeper than usual than your average band. Um, so I kind of like that. Anyway. I'm going to have to check them out a little bit now that you mentioned that. Yeah, because like, do you know Blink-182? I remember Blink-182 from way back. Yeah, this, yeah. Guy, this guy was in Blink-182, Tom. He's okay. Like, he's one of the, you know, the original three. Um, and like I said, like, they had a little break in 2005. Then he decided to create his own band on the side. Um, and then he goes back with Blink-182 for a little bit. But now he's like, he's like, Angels and Airwaves is like basically his main band. Um, so, yeah, just solid band. Rec- highly recommend their music. Um, Joe, did you watch Saturday Night Live? Saturday Night Live this week. I did my friend and i apologize for not getting back to you you're texting or whatever but uh i was a little let's kind of like little just zoning kind of half asleep and watching it and relaxed um but uh i i I like jack white normally but i don't know what it was i was a little disappointed just a little i i i I usually he can riff i love the way usually he can really I, i still liked his stuff how can you not like it? He's just raw guitar. Um, but I was a little disappointed that he didn't get some other kind of a, like really a different riff going or something. I really, the last time he was on that show, he did, but Jack White was a slight disappointment. However, as opposed to some, some of the acts I've seen on there, I'll take Jack White all the time. Um, and Woody Harrelson, I guess he was, I guess I guess he was okay. There were, I would say, listen, I just don't roll on the floor anymore watching that show. But I, I like we we've had this conversation before. I watch it because it's live TV, and I like Woody. I like you know I I, I like Woody Harrelson's uh, you know his body of work, and I, I you know he's a pretty cool dude. Uh, and I would say overall, I give the show a a, a B, and not a solid B, but not a B minus, a weak B. What skits do you like? What skits were kind of funny to you? All right. Um, and you might have to refresh. You might have to refresh my um, let me so see. So remember there's a cola guard one. There was the weekend update with the <laughs> first uh, of all, the cola guard one. <laughs> the cola guard one was funny. It wasn't funny. I'm like, what the hell are they doing? Until they had that shot with the neighbors looking at him and he was toasted in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was the best part when they realized, like, you know, he was just staring at like these, you know stationary non-moving things but in his mind he was seeing all this crazy stuff yeah yeah that was funny what else what else was it um so my i was gonna talk my favorite my favorite was the hippo one the one where he's like in a a fat suit he gained like basically the premise was uh, they're making a movie like the whale and for this role woody harrelson's character in the skit he was playing the hippo he gained 400 pounds for the role and the guy comes in the room he's like sorry guys you know we got to cancel the uh the movie and then the other people are like, oh, my God, this is such a big inconvenience. One girl is like, you know, I dyed my hair blonde or I dyed my hair brown. And the one guy's like, I did this. It's like really like minor inconveniences. And he's like, I gained 400 pounds for this role. And he's like, he's like in shock. Um, he's like, I ate these huge, you know, lards of like butter and crap or whatever just to gain all this weight. And it, I thought that was the funniest one. And then uh, the prison, uh, another funny part of that skit was the guy's like, well, you guys got other stuff going on, so it's not a big deal, right? And they're like, they, they said to Woody Harrelson, like, weren't you cast in a Marvel movie? He's like, well, I don't think that's going to happen now. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> he weighs over 400 pounds. Obviously, he's not going to be in a Marvel movie. Yeah. But I thought that one was good. And then the other one, because I only thought two were like good. 
but the other ones are kind of like eh. Well, refresh my memory on what they you know, were. The prison, the, I like the prison, the prison one where they're sitting at Woody Harrelson's in prison. He's talking to his girl. Yeah, I thought that was okay. I thought that was funny because like, he's like, he's like, I want to. What are you going to do when you get out of here? He's like, I'm going to buy the. I'm going to buy us a really nice house and a white picket. Yeah. Like, no, the, you ain't. <laughs> the prison guy's like, you going to buy yourself a whole damn house? I can't even afford a house. And they keep talking in the background. Um, I thought that was really funny. And then he's like. He's like, I'm going to manifest it. I'm going to manifest the house. You know what I mean? Like, the idea, of, I love when people say stuff like that, when they're going to manifest something. So that being involved in that sketch was very funny, especially coming from like a prisoner talking about he's going to manifest. I don't know what he meant by that. I mean, manifest means to well, sh- it shows up. Because something he, shows he up. And house, manif- he wants the house so bad. Oh, he's, he's just going to make it appear? He's okay. making fun of him. No, not make it appear. Manifest it. Like direct all his energy, all the positive. This is what you do when you manifest things. You, you have a dream, you direct all your positive energy and your thoughts towards it. Manifest means something appears. Like it, it, not, it not, not literally oh, though. Oh, it's yeah. a different definition? No, manifest is a whole, it's manifest is about the idea of manifesting something. Eventually, maybe it become, becomes reality. But manifesting something doesn't mean it actually has to happen. You just want to manifest it and you, you want it to happen. But you know, his idea was he's going to ma- he's going to have that house one day. That's a definition so that I'm unfamiliar with. Usually oh. manifest means how does it ha- how's it show up? You know, like, no, no. So this how do your symptoms? How do you how do you know you have a cold? What symptoms manifested? Oh, my cough and right. No, that's, that's more literal. That's more literal. Manifesting. Usually it's like people are especially with people are these this day. And OK, age. I'm, I'm a literal definition. So, guy. Like, so what do you want to do when you, you know, what do you want to do in the future? Like, I want to have a successful like radio show. Like, I'm manifesting it. You know what I'm doing? All these things. Oh, so it's not literal. It's more of a, an accepted vernacular that, yeah, okay, I got you. Oh, that's so cool, we, Sean. And that's what we do here. We talk, bro. I'm not yeah. challenging you. I'm just, so, I want to make sure we understand. Could be an alternate definition too. A lot of words are like that. Yeah, so it's so cool. He said that coming from a prisoner, we don't know what he's in jail for. The fact that he's right. manifesting. He's like, I'm, stop making fun of me. I'm manifesting it. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> okay. That was the most clever part of that sketch. Um, yes. But I thought this, the prison one, the, the hippo one was funny. Um, you know, the other, ones, other one, the color guard one was, and you know, the, the color guard was kind of funny when they, you know, the, and then do you see the weekend update with the mother who lo- loves her son? Oh, I love the weekend update. I'm t- I told you before, I think what they should do with that show is, is instead of making like one third of it or one quarter of it, the weekend update, they ought to expand that out and make it like half the show. Cause yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, that's I the funny, that's the funniest part of that show. Yeah, I wouldn't want that because it's too simple. It's just people talking at a desk, and they they're not they can't use their all they can't use their whole creativity to make the scene come to life and the skit come to life. So I'm happy with where it is now. Um, it's okay. I mean, but I like when they had the guests in the weekend update. So they had like the one girl on it, Gina Bianchi. Um, she talks about um, oh well, her I think the act, actress's name, the girl on SNL, I think her name is Heidi Gardner, but she plays a mother named Gianna Bianchi. Talks about her son. Yeah, thought that yeah, was okay. Yeah. And then they had one with the beautiful gym. The beautiful gym one was like, it was in theory, <sighs> it could have been funnier, but like they're just kind of standing there and like they had this small little quick witted type of chat type going on. But I was, I, it wasn't landing with me. I was like, yeah. didn't, didn't dig that one, bro. What do you think about the opening with the Trump uh, train visit one? Oh, you know, that guy. <laughs> That guy does the best Trump I've ever seen or heard. I'm telling you, it looks it's he sounds just like him. The mannerisms and everything. I'm telling you, that guy, that guy, that's probably the opening. I'm telling you, because he he was straight up. He's he's right on tune sound wise. He's got all the mannerisms and right and all the things he says and repeats them and this kind of a thing. Um, 
and they make him up pretty well too. It's not quite, you know, but he made, they make him up pretty well. The makeup department, I'm telling you, I think of anything. Cause I, there were, there were times there where I was, I was like cracking up laughing and it's just, you know, when you get an actor that can really, really come across sound wise and even look, you know, look like, but especially sound wise and mannerisms wise, it's just funny as hell. And I think that was like the funniest part of the show. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. And that guy he does a great Trump. He really does. What did you go at the stakeout where the, the SNR writer is like, doesn't know what's going on between his two other writers and he finds out they're married with a family and stuff. So that one I was, that was kind of, that was different. It was actually kind of cool. It was a little different. I, I, um, I, I don't like the way they wrapped it up. They could have wrapped it up a little differently. Um, but it was, uh, like the funniest part was when they were sitting out there and, and they realized what was going on. Woody Harrelson grabs his gun and says, okay, you want me to go kill him? No, wait a minute. What the hell? Says, no, no, we don't want to, you know, but you know, Harrelson's first, first, you know, he just grabs his gun and says, I want me to go kill him. Whoa, 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 whoa. Take it easy. There, it goes, that's what makes, that's what SNL, it's those little moments. Like I talked about how I thought the manifesting thing was funny. You're talking about how the grab the gun and kill him was funny. Like it's these little fucking moments. That's where the, the comedy genius and cleverness can, can shine through. That, you know, they have these moments, but there's not enough of them, right? You know what I mean? Yes, yes. And that's all I was ever saying. I still watch it, Sean. I still watch it. I just, I just, I just wonder sometimes how, what you know, what the hell happened. But um, it is what it is. This, this gets her, hey, listen, it's still good. It's live entertainment. And then you get a musical guest. It's something really different. And it's live. Yeah, it's cool. And you, you flip a coin. Hey. Half these skits could be halfway funny. That's all. And if not, it's entertainment. It takes the edge off. Even if it's not funny, it takes the edge off. Yeah. And that's all we watch it for is to take the edge off, kick back and relax. That's all. Absolutely. Um, do you ever watch Bill Maher? Uh, do you have HBO by any chance? I don't have HBO. I used to be a Bill Maher faithful watcher of the, you know, you know, I used to watch Politically Incorrect and and even when he wait as far back as that. And then I watched him on HBO for the longest time. But about four years ago, uh, when I moved, I don't I just didn't get HBO with my new package. I'm tired of spending. You know, it's ridiculous. So I, I don't I don't do it. I don't I don't see him anymore. But, um, you know, I, I don't miss it that much. But I used to watch yeah, him all the time. I listened to an old old interview of his on Howard Stern, and it just got me thinking about it more. I'm like, you know, I got to I got to give the show a chance because over the years, I've, you know, I haven't really given Bill Maher's show that big of a chance. Uh, but now I want to get back into. I have HBO, and I watched a little bit about a little bit of the most recent episode. The monologue's pretty good, um, high quality, um, not too long. And then they had a guest, and then there's like another. I'm like, you know, I saw like 40 minutes to go in the episode I'm watching, but. It's another one of those enjoyable shows that you, you can look forward to every week. Um, but if you don't have HBO and you don't, you know, if you're not watching other stuff on HBO, you know, paying X amount of money, I'm not saying people should do that. But if you're watching other programming on HBO or you get a special trial or whatever the hell you did do, um, it's definitely, if you have HBO, it's definitely worth checking out um, for sure. Because he, he disses the Republicans and the Democrats. He doesn't just like stay one-sided. Um, he goes in on both sides, you know? So, well, he's he has he's changed. More, yes, he's more. Quite a bit. He's way more liberal leaning. We know this. He was, but, yeah. But he's he, really he, he's got a lot of uh, rationale and really um, uh, common sense to his thinking, and he, he sees the bullshit that goes on on both sides. And he's you know he's not afraid to speak his mind. I like that. 
Yeah. And you know what? And you know me too. I'm, I'm, I consider myself that way too. I mean, I lean a little more left center, but I still don't go way out there. You know, I think, I, I, you know, I, I, we talked about abortion and I told you how I felt about that. That was not predictable. If you want to say, oh, he's just a little, no, because I told you how I felt about that. And there are a lot of things I feel about. I feel like, you know, we should, we should be discussing things that are, that are terribly, terribly important and we should prioritize things, you know. So, I mean, we shouldn't spend, you know, three quarters of our time talking about God darn pronouns. You know what I mean? I don't want to hear the bullshit right now. I got other things to do. More important. All right. I mean, it's just the way it is. It's just the way, you know, I think one part, like I saw, was watching CNN the other night and there was people on there and, and they're talking about the, the um, you know, um, trans, you know, transsexual type of, uh, and, and it's fine. It, look, if, if that's what people want to do to feel comfortable and their brain is wired that way, I get all that. I'm cool. I'm hip. It's fine. But my God, you know what, how much of the percentage of the population is transsexual? 1%. So why are we spending so much time on the 1%? I'll break it off to them. Hey, if that's the way you feel, that's what you got to do. Do your deal. I'm not going to bother you at all. I understand. That's the way your brain is wired and your body doesn't match your brain. Do what you got to do. But if you're only 1% of the population, we got a lot of problems here. Let's focus on the other 99% of the population for a while. That's all. Yeah. Sorry, I had to do that. Okay. Um, yeah, so I saw another movie uh, in theaters called Jesus Revolution. Um, actually, was pleasantly surprised. It was actually very good. Um, it wasn't amazing, but I think it's more of a mainstream. It's not super religious. Like, obviously, it's about, you know, it's about um, the 1960, 1968 to about 1973, you know, the late 60s, early 70s in California, there was a Jesus movement. And a lot of it started with hippies. Um, they they uh, gravitated towards Jesus. Um, and there's a character in the movie, the same guy who plays Jesus in that show, The Chosen, plays a kind of Jesus-like character in this movie, but he's not Jesus. He's just okay. like, some guy who feels like he's touched by God or whatever. But, you know, I thought it was good, man. Um, Kelsey Grammer's in it. He gave it more legitimacy, having like a, a big-time actor in it. Um, it was just like a normal movie. Like it had it had like a song by the Doobie, Brother, the Doobie Brothers in it. Jesus is just all right with me. I had that song. Yep. Okay. Um, and I haven't had, seen the like, movie, but I knew when you said Doobie Brothers, I knew. Go ahead. Yeah, it had like it had like mainstream songs, which I liked. It wasn't like super religious, like Christian music, like forcing that on you. It was like you know mainstream, uh, you know, yeah, music that for that watched. time, for that time period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. it actually did decent in the box office, better than I expected. It made about fifteen point eight million, so sixteen million. Um, which is really good for a movie like revolving around Jesus, but this kind of explains, you know, what the hippies, a lot of times these religious organizations and these little like churches didn't accept the hippies. They thought the hippies are weirdos and they're dirty. They're drug addicts. And then once Kelsey Grammer's daughter found this guy on the side of the road, hitchhiking, who played by Jonathan Rumi, I believe his name is the guy, like I said, plays Jesus and the chosen one. He comes to Kelsey Grammer's house. He has a talk with Kelsey Grammer, who's a local pastor and he lets him in his church and he starts speaking his, he starts, you know, speaking his religious views and how he's touched by God and what his views are about Jesus. Um, and then Kelsey Grammer gets some, you know, backlash from the church leaders, these old white guys, like we can't have these hippies in there walking in with no shoes in and stuff. Um, and it's also a romantic story. There's a romance angle to it. There's a guy who meets a girl. Uh, she's a hippie. He was in some military academy. Then a romance kind of sprouts up from that. So it was a very like just a, a heartwarming type positive movie. 
you don't have to be super religious or believe in Jesus at all to actually enjoy it, which I like, you know, they're not right. forcing religion on you, but it gives you, it's also historical um, because it's based on a real character. I mean, Kelsey Grover plays a pastor named Chuck Smith and Chuck Smith, Smith founded something called Calvary Chapel. Um, and now it's over a thousand churches nationwide. Um, he's considered one of the most influential figures in modern. I didn't even know who he was when I saw it. Uh, but Kelsey Grammer plays Chuck Smith and you kind of get an idea of how the church kind of evolved. Um, but it was good. But I just, you know, cocaine bear, my prediction was right for cocaine bear. I predicted cocaine bear would make between 22 and 30 and made it 23 million. Um, uh, so yeah, Jesus revolution. I probably score it a 7.1, 7.1. I think it's a fair score. Um, you know, positive uplifting type of movie you know it's about jesus but it's really more about some like movement that happened where the hippies started embracing jesus and how the church formed and it shows people getting baptized in the ocean water at something called pirate's cove and still there to this day they're still baptizing people there and like it's not the formal church where you have to like go through this whole process you have to memorize prayers you have to do all these things and then finally you get baptized and you have your communion basically you just go to this church and uh you say you want to accept jesus in your life and they'll baptize you right in the ocean and then you know you know, and that that absolves you. Like it's a very kind of the way John did it. You know, kind of, it's a more informal process because what happened with religion over the years? It's got way too crazy with the formal formality of it. Thank you, including people and feeling people like they're not welcome, they're not chosen by God, if they're not in the church. Yeah. Um, so I really like the more informal things where it's like, okay, you know, I I accept Jesus. Just let, let me, how about I go get baptized and now I'll believe in Him or now I'll go live my life a certain way. Whereas like you know. They don't have to feel uncomfortable sitting in these churches where everybody's dressed in suits and judging them. And like, it's, it's a whole different relaxed vibe. I like that. I do too. I'm going to, it's one I want to see. I saw the, I saw one time, I think it was the other night during Saturday night live. I'm not sure, but I saw one commercial for that. And I thought that's one I want to see. That's down my alley, you know? So. Yeah. It's uh, it was, it was, you know, there, it was comedy in it. It was, it was like I said, like the, a lot of religious movies are super cheesy and like, Oh my God gosh like what am i watching this yeah was, this was a legitimate movie like that could i can see this movie like i could see this movie being released in like the 90s and being like super successful way more than it is going to be now it's, it's still successful i made mean, 60 million in weekend number one that's very good um because this wasn't even on my radar i just saw movies that were playing all of a sudden i see this movie jesus revolution i'm like what is this and then i you know i had some free time to go to the movies and i see everything i pretty much see everything that's in theater so and that's kind, that's kind of what, sorry, sorry about that. I thought you were finished. Um, that's kind of the way I feel, the way you just talked about with religion, you know, and it's sort of, you know, I still consider myself Catholic. I'm proud to be Catholic, but I will not and do not adhere to or follow a large set of the Catholic rules that have been handed down because they were originated by men just like to put their pants on one leg at a time, just like we do over the centuries who wanted to capture power and within the church and get control over people. All right. But I try to, what I try to do is circumvent all that stuff and get right back to the man from, from Nazareth. And what I have to figure out is based on what I know about him, what would he be cool with? What he, what he wouldn't be cool with. That's it. Yeah, and it's my own interpretation. 
this movie because well, you know all hippies were about peace, love, and that type of thing, and like they've got a vibe with Jesus. Like Jesus mm-hmm. is trying to be a hippie. Like he accepts everybody. That the movie made this very clear. Like Jesus was accepting like pretty much everybody, right? That's so exactly all, right. All these modern day churches, like they don't accept everybody. They condemn them. They condemn people to hell. Like there's, I've, I've talked to like some younger generation people, and they're like, yeah, like um, you know, homosexuality is the same as pedophilia. It's it's a sin, and they're all going to hell. And I'm thinking to myself, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. So if someone's born gay, they're automatically going to hell. And, you know, they're the same as a person who abuses little children. Um, no, that's not th- that level of thinking is crazy. That's that's a level of thing that goes on these like these churches. Exactly. It's extreme. Sometimes you have to enter some common sense into it and say, what would he be cool with? What would he not be cool with? If you're talking about somebody that is that way. Just as I reference somebody who's who feels their body doesn't match their their sexual or, you know, sexual organs don't match their their mind and they have to get that, you know. They have to get that uh, met to match. It requires you can't change your mind or your brain, so it requires that they change their you know physicality and then they're comfortable same way with, uh, you know, I don't I, 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 I listen. All I know is that when someone. If, if let's say a girl that's, 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 that's a lesbian, right. When, when she looks at another girl, like the way I look at, um, you know, a Selma Hayek, certain, th- your eyes and your brain, certain little things just happen right away. Those little things that happen, right. A little flutter of your, your heart, a little like a quick breath and like, damn, look at that. That's what they feel when they look at another woman. Right. When yeah. it's that, that kind of a thing where that's what you can't, you can't condemn someone, especially not even in life here, but you can't certainly can't condemn them to hell for them responding yeah, that's, to that's a, a pre a pre a pre um, programmed a pre programmed you know exactly. response. So you can't. You, it's ridiculous. It's the people and, judging them, the, the people judging them, and condemning them to hell, and agreeing with all these like antiquated concepts. What makes them special? They they won a genetic. They quote unquote won the genetic lottery because their brain likes the opposite sex. So they're better than the person who happened to be born. They like the same, like that is so unfair, right? It, yeah. And it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And who are they hurting? You know, now that the pedophilia thing, that's a different, but it, and that's a whole different thing, but that's what your point is. Yeah. You can't, you can't draw they're putting, that. They're putting them in the false same equivalent. You bracket yeah. to this, this horseshit false equivalency stuff. that A lot of people like to throw together like this and this. No, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't plow those two, those things. Those two things are are, are myriad different. So um, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I don't. I don't. Un, I, I don't. You know. But I've known people, women and men, who were like that, and some of the best people I've known. Yeah. And um, do what you got to do, and you're a good person. And uh, but here's the thing: Christ was more like a hippie type. Exactly. He was he was also extremely articulate, extremely intelligent. I mean, they say I mean he was an orator like you wouldn't believe, like a Barack Obama plus plus. I mean, to that extent, like really, really good. Um, he had to be to captivate all those people that he did. But he was more like a hippie in the sense that it was. He said, "Man, he said, live like the lilies in the field." They have no worry. They don't worry about yesterday. They don't worry about tomorrow. They live for the moment, you know, li- live like the lilies in the field. And he was more, and you know what? Hippies in general were believed to be pretty gentle people. 
just reminds me of that song um, that uh, if you're going to San Francisco, wear some flowers in your hair. There'll be some gentle people there. Well, hippies were pretty much gentle people. And they really, yeah. and it was, now I saw something a while back. It was when that Manson thing hit. When that loop job, Charles Manson, when he went off the deep end and he got his, some of his followers to do all those dastardly, oh, those, those unspeakable things that he got them to do. Unfortunately, the, the generation before, we're just starting to maybe get a, a feel for what hippies were, or maybe just starting to come around. If there was any progress made, that killed it. And yeah. then if it didn't, not only killed it, but it regressed, you know, after that, because now they wouldn't pick up someone hitchhiking if they had shoulder length hair or something like that, you know. It, and, and, but you got to understand the way that generation was, you know, they, they were to them, this was all wild stuff. You and know? one thing I didn't, one thing I didn't like about this movie, though, I'll just one complaint I have is they, the Jonathan Rumi, the guy, the guy who plays, uh, this guy, he plays a character named Lonnie Frisbee, who becomes very influential. He believes, he believes he's a tool from God. But the thing I didn't like in this movie is they showed him performing miracles at his big, at his, at his sermons and speeches and everything, like curing people, like who had like these, like almost like he was Jesus. And I was like, from as far as my knowledge is concerned, I haven't seen anybody besides Jesus perform miracles like that. Nobody really knows if he actually did that because they have these crazy churches all over the world and they show the people all together and they, they they put their energy toward the person. The person also can walk. That's all probably staged and that's probably all BS. I, I'm pretty sure it doesn't happen. So when this movie stooped kind of low and had this guy performing miracles, I was like, ah, oh, that really kind of, that hurts the movie because just show the guy being a positive light, spreading positive message, Jesus's love and that type of thing. Don't yeah. show him performing miracles like he's Jesus. So that that's one of my complaints. That's fair enough, Sean. I want to. Can, are you sitting back a little bit? Your your mic just seemed like it got a little weaker in the last minute or well, two. Well, you probably you probably turned on the volume again, dude. That's what always happens. Okay, let me check. Okay, talk to me. Yo. Okay, I guess you're good. Yeah, it's still at the same level. Yeah, now it is. Now it is. I I must have bumped my volume button. Yeah. I'm sorry, um, bud. As far as uh, teeth go, uh, have you been to the dentist lately, sir? You know, what's weird. I hadn't been there in about seven years. I went about three months ago for a checkup and everything looks good. I couldn't believe it. Okay. Because I, I've been struggling in the past, like three or four days ago, I got a severe toothache in the bottom left corner of my mouth. Uh, a couple of years ago, I had problems. Like I couldn't eat on, I couldn't chew on one side of my mouth, like, especially candy. And I, I was swore I had a cavity, but I went to the dentist and they told me I didn't have a cavity. So I'm like, okay. And then it's, Couple, like a month after that, a couple months later, it stopped hurting and it was fine. But now I have this fucking, sorry, sorry for cursing, but. Well, now you say you're just, you're $35 now just because you had one earlier. So just go ahead. Well, did I say the F word earlier, sir? Mm -hmm. You did. did. Okay. Anyway. So it's twice today. You had 25 is plus 10. You're $35, but go ahead. Go ahead. Um, So I have the severe pain in my lower uh, left. I'm dealing with it now. It's, It's terribly painful. Um, and I tried to make a dentist appointment, but dentists, dentists are weird with some of the insurance. Cause I had Delta dental and they're trying to like, get the, get me schedule the appointment before they knew I, you know, which one, which one I had. I was like, okay, let me make, let me make sure I have the right one. And then they call me back. They're like, okay, you have the out of network one. So I have the out of network, whatever I'm paying at my job for Delta dental is just not worth it for some, you know, dentist because it's out of pocket it's out of network and you're going to be paying hundreds of dollars depending on what they do, especially for like a root canal possibly or a cavity. So then I found another dentist that accepts insurance, but 
um, just a bit of a whole ordeal because when you have a toothache, you want to you want to have it fixed right away. And sometimes you can't get in right away. They can't fix it. They got to figure out what's going on. They got to give you, especially if you're a new patient, they got to give you x-rays. I just want to get there and have this thing taken care of immediately. But having a toothache can really throw off your whole mood. It can really make you a little bit angry because you're dealing with this. It's like your your mouth is throbbing. It's this awful pain. It's like, oh, yeah. I've had my share of them, Sean. I've had had my share of them, believe me. Have you had a root canal? I've had several root canals. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's not fun. Not, not recently. It's thank God. That's why I, st- I went back. It's been seven years since my last checkup, but I have a couple twinge here and there. I get a twinge, and I'm like, "Get yourself there, Joey. Get, it's been seven years. Get yourself just. There's got to be a cavity or two. Nothing. I couldn't believe it. So uh, I knock on wood here. But yeah, um, you're you're a couple decades younger than I am. So yeah, you're going to get some, and I've had some, and I've had a couple oral surgeries um, to boot. So um, yeah. Um, yeah, but I've had several, several root canals and so forth. And a root canal, really, <clears throat> it's just like a filling, but it's a little longer in the chair. It's just a little longer and a little more of a complex process. But as far as you're concerned, you're going to get numbed up and they're going to be there for a little longer than normal. And they're going to be, you know, poking stuff down in there, but you'll be numbed up and they'll feel like they're stuffing stuff down in there and Sometimes they have a little hot. They heat something up and put it. Yeah, no, I've had a root canal before. Yeah, I've, had a, I've, a, I've had my wisdom teeth taken out. I've had a root canal. Okay. Um, it's just weird because a couple months ago I stopped eating. I was eating a lot of candy. So I kind of stopped eating candy and I started eating like fruit instead, like grapes, apples, clementines. And then this this damn uh, toothache comes. I'm like, what the hell was the point? Of, why did I stop eating candy? This is going to happen. And, you know, it's just so just an it's a, it's a inconvenience I have to deal with on my off day tomorrow. I have to go to the dentist in the morning. So that's kind of annoying, but anyway, part yeah, of life. It yeah, it is. Exactly. Uh, so actor of the week, Joe, actor of the week, Mr. John Malkovich, sir. Um, born December 9th, 1953 in Benton, Illinois. Always been one um, of my favorites. Yep. His mom owned a local newspaper and his dad was a state conservation director and published a conservation magazine. Uh, he had an older brother and three younger sisters, so a uh, family of, you know, five kids. Um, he says he's inherited his gentleness from his mother and his temper from his father. Um, he plays roles so convincingly that one wonders where acting ends and the man begins, because he really is a convincing actor. Um, <laughs> he's unique, too. He's very he, unique. I, trust me, I, I learned a lot because I was watching some of his interviews. He had some, very, I, I'll give you some fun facts about him. You'll be like, wow. Um, he, he played defensive tackle on his high school football team. Then when he graduated from high school in 1972, he enrolled in Eastern Illinois University. That's where Tony Romo went, actually. Um, then he transferred to Illinois State University. He majored in theater, but dropped out. And then he studied acting at the William Just Esper Studio. Um, and then in 1976, he became a member of Steppenwolf Theater Company, which is I think they're pretty renowned and well-known. And he was, a, he was a, I think he was one of the founding members. Um, he moved to New York City in 1980. And starred in uh, in a play in New York City. I think it was called. Uh, well, he started a play called True West, but then his Broadway debut wasn't until 1984-1985 in Death of a Salesman. He was alongside Dustin Hoffman. Uh, he actually won an Emmy Award uh, for the TV adaptation of that play. Mm. Um, he said acting was something that happened by accident. He just happened to keep doing it and seems to prefer theater more. Um, but he's, he's just, you know, acting is something that happened. He says, he just like, he's, he's, he made a living out of doing it. So he's like, why not? 
Um, yeah. His first feature film was Joe. You'll like this one. His first feature film debut was Places in the Heart for 1984. <laughs> he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, uh, he, pl- he played a blind man in that movie. Yes, yes. Um, he and also, he was very good. Yeah, he was in Annie Lennox's. Uh, I love the, I love the song "Walking on Broken Glass." He was in that music video. Fun little fact about him. Um, he said he hates the sound of his own voice. He says it sounds like someone who has labored under heavy narcotics for years. When he's asking, <laughs> he says, who is this person? It's true. He's got a very unique delivery. He does. Um, he said some weird things in the interview, though. He said, he said anyone would murder someone if they knew they weren't going to get in trouble. Especially, But then he said, especially someone if they harm their ch- his children. But he, he, made, he makes a lot of jokes about killing people. Um, but doesn't want to go to jail. He says, everyone would kill somebody if they knew they weren't going to jail. And I disagree with that. I wouldn't want to kill somebody if I wouldn't want to be in my conscious. You know, if they killed my child or they raped my sister or they did something crazy. That's then, different. Yeah. I want murder. You know, I want to murder. But he he seems to be like, you know, he, he kind of casually talks about like wanting to kill somebody. So that was kind well, of. Well, sp- part of what I like about him is he's, he's a little bit off. Just a little bit off center, yeah. but I think even there, it's a little bit hyperbole on his part. Is, I yeah. I know what he's talking about, but I would I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about him going out and and snuffing someone out or whatever. Yeah. But um, I I think even even he is a little tongue in cheek there with that. Yeah. He said, uh, "There's fun fun facts about him." While walking around the streets of Toronto in 2013, he came upon a 77 year old man who had fallen and cut his throat on a piece of sharp metal. He applied pressure to the wound, prevented the man from bleeding out, and apparently told the man, my name is John and you're going to be all right. Um, and then when he was 16, he said he was a fat kid. Growing up, he was fat. He said he ate jello for four months when he was 16 and he lost 70 pounds. Um, well, yeah, because jello was empty calories. So he basically starved for whatever the <laughs> hell it was. You yeah, know. So <laughs> um, he said he confronted a stalker in Central Park with a knife. Um, he said he was once verbally harassed in Central Park <laughs> by someone who had been stalking him. So he ran to his apartment, changed clothes, returned to the park a short time later with a Bowie knife and scared <laughs> the stalker off. <laughs> <laughs> I, that I believe. That, yeah. that I do believe. He's very, he's a character. You know what I mean? He said he had this, I don't know when this article was written in 2021, but he hasn't voted since 1972. Apparently he's more right leaning, but um, he hasn't, he hasn't voted since 1972. He said, uh, when George McGovern lost the election to Richard Nixon, he was 19 at the time. Um, I remember said, it. I was a kid. He something he said, it kind of goes tick-tocking from left to right, the two sides shouting and squabbling for common good. Uh, he said politics. Um, he said if it had anything to do with solving the problems, he would count it. So he's kind of like he's kind of like you know, um, cynical removed himself politics. from the process. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of I kind of vibe with that. It's like you know sometimes it's like you know choosing the side, getting involved. It's like you know. Just stay yeah. out of it. If, you don't, if you're not that passionate about it, why not? Yeah. Stay out? yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, he's he's got a lot of uh, interesting. He's an interesting character, and I've always been uh, fascinated by him. I was like, this guy. I've always claimed that he's one of my favorite actors. Him and Philip Seymour Hoffman are like two of my favorite actors. Philip Seymour Hoffman, we did on one of the earlier shows. He obviously passed away. Um, but he's been in a lot of good movies. Um, did you see of Mice and Men, Joe? I haven't, but um. 
Because he played a mentally, I didn't see that either, but he, he played a mentally handicapped, he played a lot of different roles. He played, mentally, I like the role he played in clear and was he in clear and present danger? No, with, no, you're thinking of in line of in, in the line of fire, in with, the line of fire. <laughs> I love that character he played. Yeah, he, he torments Clint Eastwood because Clint Eastwood couldn't prevent the assassination of like JFK or something like that. So his character is like this guy that's supposed to protect presidents, and then John um, Malkovich's character is a guy. Um, who keeps tormenting him, saying he's going to kill the president, and Clint Eastwood can't prevent it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now I wouldn't like a person like that in real life, but his character in that movie, I yeah. thought it was he was really good. That's that's classic Malkovich. He's just a little off center and just enough where he, I just get a kick out of him. I always have. You yeah. know, he plays those those roles very well. I think it's Mal- Malkovich, but um, um, could be wrong. Pretty sure it's Nakovich, but anyway, because we don't we don't, we don't want to get the names wrong on this show. Oh, but, okay, um, Donna Frio over here. All right, go ahead. <laughs> no, I got you. I got you. If we're going to talk about the man, we should at least for this segment. I, if I mispronounce it next week, it doesn't matter. But if while we're talking about the man and his bio, I should use his name correctly. So it's yeah. Malkovic. Yeah. Okay. Mal- Mal- Malkovich. Is it Malkovich? Malkovich. Yeah. Malkovich. Okay. I, you know, pretty sure. So well, that's good. Where's right. my orthopedic shoes? Okay. Gotcha. Um, so my top five, number one, he was in a movie called rounders with Matt Damon. One of my favorite movies of all time, especially if you like poker. Was that Harris with him in that? No, I don't think I'm so. sorry. I'm not sorry. sorry. Um, but so he plays like kind of like a Russian guy who runs a private poker game and Matt Damon gets caught up in it where he gets, he's in law school, but he gets caught up in all sorts of debt. His girlfriend leaves him, ruins his life, kind of, but he's trying to get redemption and win some money and go to Vegas and try to win the World Series of Poker. But Malkovich plays a very um, quirky character, Russian guy, who eats Oreos while he's playing. He's got, instead of the co- poker chips, he's got a thing full of Oreos. Uh, and, then, and then Matt Damon gets the better of him. And he's like, this, S- this SOB all night, check, check, check. He tricked me. And then he says, he beat me straight up, paid him, paid the man, that man his money. Um, that's one of his famous lines in that movie, but that's number one for me. Number two, one of my favorite movies of all time, Brad Pitt's in it too. It's called burn after reading. I absolutely love this movie. He plays basically like a, a CIA, a CIA guy who gets like fired, but then he has like a, he has his memoir on like this private, like CD and like the memoir is on the CD and, um, it gets into the hands of Brad Pitt somehow. And Brad Pitt thinks it's like this secrets and people are like, he thinks it's really valuable. And Malkovich just wants to get his memoir back. Um, so he spends the whole movie just trying to get this memoir back. It's, it's, it's pretty funny. It, it, I could watch burn after reading anytime and just, just laugh. I love really funny movie. Number three, being John Malkovich, that's from 1999. Um, basically someone finds a portal into his mind, into the actor, John Malkovich, you know, real character, uh-huh. real guy, real, but the movie's about finding a portal into his mind. It's like in some abandoned office building and the people who crawl through it can get inside his mind and see everything he says, everything he's thinking, so I thought that was a very unique sort of uh, movie ahead of its time. Um, yeah. Just so I didn't clarify, Rounders is from 1998. Burn After Reading is from 2008. Uh, number four, In the Line of the Fire. With, with uh, We talked about it with uh, Clint Eastwood, where he torments Clint Eastwood. He promises he's going to kill the president, and Clint Eastwood can't do anything about it. He just torments him. Um, and five, he had a role in Billions. He played kind of like a Russian ol- oligarch. Um so yeah, I always thought I didn't I didn't realize that John Malkovich was uh was like American. I thought he was foreign. His dad apparently his, his grandfather someone's from Croatia, but he, he kind of has like an accent if you hear him talk. 
Um, but so that's my top five. I think he's a great actor. He's very convincing. He's very quirky. He's very unique. Like, yeah, he unique. Like see certain roles. You know what I mean? Like the, the mobster yeah. and rounders. You know, the the guy who's tormenting Clint Eastwood. Um, the guy, the former CIA officer and burn after. Like he plays all these sort of roles. That you can just write for him, and um, he's very unique. Uh, he's not like a supermodel type of actor that you find like these Brad Pitt and Tom no. Cruise, no. Leonardo DiCaprio. He's a very average looking fellow, mm-hmm. uh, but he fits in all these roles and. In terms of like your, what have you seen him in? What can you relate to for his roles? Uh, well, I told you the the one that I just told you there, um, and a couple that you mentioned already. I can't, you know, I, it's not like I, I keep a bio on him or anything, but I've seen him on the screen for over, I guess, twenty years, and he's always been a guy that's been a little, just a little different to me, and he's always played that guy that's a little twisted. Like <laughs> he was always played that so well, exactly. That he's just always been. Yeah. I just always when he's on, I'm I'm watching, you know. So, uh, yeah, yep. you you mentioned most of the ones that I've seen him in. Yep. I'll never forget that one though. That that uh, you know, the one we just talked about with Clint Eastwood in the Line of Fire. Yeah, that was great. Yep. But so, uh, did you see? Did you say Empire of the Sun? Because I don't think I've ever seen that movie. I've probably seen bits and pieces of different movies that he's been in, and just don't know the names here or there. So you know. Okay. Uh, but he he is he's your actor, not mine. But. uh I've, I've, I've told you, I've always liked them. I'm not the movie buff you are, but I've always liked them. I've always, and I've seen them on TV on, on different things, but right. I've always thought this, this dude, this dude's wired a little differently. I, I like that. And, yeah. and when he plays some of these characters, it's, it's just funny as hell. Cause I find the, I don't know. I, I find that kind of dude funny. That's it's, all. It's fun researching him because I've always liked him. Like you said, he's something a little different about him. He's a little bit off, especially when he's playing these roles. And it turns out in real life, he's he's kind of like similar. He's a little bit different. You know what I mean, so he's, he's an interesting guy to learn about. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's our actor. Shout out to John Malkovich. Um, Snapple fact, Joe. Snapple fact number one seventy four. The world's biggest pyramid is not in Egypt, but in Mexico. Oh. So it's called the Great Pyramid of Cholula. Yeah. Um, it's a complex located in Cholula, Puebla, Mexico. It's the largest archaeological site of a pyramid, basically a temple, uh-huh. um, in the New World, as well as the largest pyramid by volume known to exist in the world today. Its structure measures 400 by 400 meters, has a total volume of 4.45 million cubic meters, almost twice the size of the Great Pyramid of Giza. It was constructed around 200 BC and expanded or rebuilt several times over the following centuries by different civilizations. Um and according to Aztec mythology, it was built by Zalua, a giant whose edifice so upset the gods that they hurled down fire upon it. Um, but an interesting thing, Hernan Cortez, a famous like Spanish explorer, they slaughtered many of the Chiluans, probably to scare the inhabitants of the nearly nearby Aztec capital um, into submission. Um, but anyway, they the church was built on, on top of it um, that's still standing today. And the Spanish were, were unaware of the hill's true nature. And the, the pyramid wasn't rediscovered until the late 19th century uh, when archaeologists began to excavate the network of tunnels that run through its base. So it was kind of hidden, and the Spanish explorers didn't even know what the hell you know, this huge pyramid existed. Wow. Wow. So um, I love pyramids. I love you know, the idea of pyramids and 
thinking about how they were built. So when I saw that the biggest one in the world in Mexico, I was a little bit, I just, you know, I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, that is neat. And the Maya, I think the Mayans did some of that too. And so yeah. it's all, it's all cool. Yeah. All cool stuff. All right. So, uh, on the real <laughs> segment, Joe, you ready for on the real? I suppose. Okay. I'll try. First story. Office cake culture needs to stop. It's as bad as passive smoking. Office cake culture needs to stop. It's as bad as passive smoking. Okay. Uh, number two. Man finds $10 million worth of cocaine in his wall. Number three. In and out Burger considering opening up franchises in Europe. Those are the three stories, Joe. Choose the real one. Okay. I don't know why I'm just going to kick out the last one. I don't. I don't like it. it, it I don't like the In-N-Out Burger in Europe thing. So I'm down to, um, and I'm thinking out loud. I'm not trying to have a debate with you as we're going here. So just <laughs> so okay. Um, so that one's out. I'm, so now I'm down to um, the cake culture, and I'm down to the man finds uh, cocaine in his wall. Yeah, ten million dollars uh, worth of cake. Uh, I think it's a little too close to you seeing the movie Cocaine Bear. So I'm just going to go and I'll tell you, I, I kid you not with this cake culture. It's always someone's birthday and us and I know come on up here. No, it's like, no, God. And you can't tell people, look, man, I don't want to do it. And okay, man, I can't. It's like, will your people leave me the hell alone? And, you, and I'm telling you something. So I'm going to I'm going to buy that because I think it's it's prudent because you're talking about sugar, you're talking about obesity, you're talking about, uh, I think, over 50 percent of the population or no, 40 percent of this population, almost half is obese. So, I mean, I'm going to go with number one as being real. OK, you are correct, sir. No uh, kidding. Yeah. Wow. So you saw co- the cocaine one was too close to cocaine bear. That's why you didn't think it was real. I thought. Wait a minute. Why am I telling you this? I'll tell you. What the hell is the difference? We're talking. We winning any money here for winning? Um, I thought my rationale there was well. First of all, that last one is because well, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to give everything away here. <laughs> I didn't buy the In and Out Burger in Europe. I just just didn't sound right from the get go. Just didn't sound right. Damn, well, why not though? Because Shake Shake Shack's over. Like there's a lot of franchises. What? And maybe I'm part of this. It's just I'm a little lucky here. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know I, I think your rationale. You chose. You're a good rationale for the cake culture because, you know, yeah, you didn't, it didn't. It wasn't that crazy to you, and you're 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 dead on because it was a real article. You know. Yeah, and you go to any office. You tell me you work in an office. I'm telling you, and it's like, oh, well, come on up here. And if it's not cake, it's some other bullshit food yeah, that you're it, like it trying says, to like. You can't explain to people. No, I only do this on the weekend. Look at me. I'm 235. Do you want me to be 295 in about two months? I'll just eat like you guys every day, you know, and you can't say that to them. It was half of them are, are never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's frustrating. And it's cake seems to be the answer for everything. And people don't, you got to stop and think about that cake. I have a big chunk of cake this weekend, maybe, but not all the time, every other day here. And sometimes four days a week in the office. It's like, okay, happy birthday, fine. Oh, come on, you got it, you got it. And if you don't, you can you can you can refuse it, but you just get looked at in a weird way. And and I, I'm I'm just well, it, yeah, it irritates the shit out of me. Take the piece of cake, have a bite of it, and then when no one's looking, just throw the fucking rest of the piece out. Sorry for the third F word, but tonight I'm just flowing. 
Yeah, uh, okay. Well, that's no, you're 40 bucks, but don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, you take a piece of it, topics, but you get these topics about the toothache and the cake and stuff. Somehow the emotion comes out of me where the F bomb just drops, man. I can't control it. it, it it's look, it's no, no one is going to put handcuffs on you, but that we'd like you to try to, you know, curtail that a little bit. But you're up to $40. Um, so, um, I just, I just, if I do that, if I have one bite, I'll probably mess around and just just acquiesce at that point. If I have one bite, if you're going to mess around and give me one bite of cake, you know, it's tantamount to a couple other things I can think of that I won't say here. But I, I mean, you just I can't just you know what I mean? Um, I can't just just a little little, you know, that's that's too much. That's that you, I'm in too far at that point. Um, but Let what me talk I will, about the story real quick. The story basically story. It's from Fortune magazine. Also, other people reported on it. I'm pretty sure um, said. The top health official says allowing cake in the offices undermines people's free will. It's as bad as passive smoking. Uh, another apparent work perk is having easy access to booze. Uh, the beer taps and fridges. Yeah, there's there's a lot of companies. When I was looking for jobs, a lot of companies are advertising. We have beer. You know, you can just go and have beer anytime you want during the shift. So that goes on too. Um, so if employers are worrying about having worrying about having too many too much cake. Because you know, if there's a large company, there's going to be a birthday every day. How much cake can they have? Maybe they have something like a birth month, a birth month, you know, just a birth month, cake once a month, right? Um, yeah, that works. One day. It's also less of a financial burden on people who are bringing in the big cakes to feed the whole team. Like Even a week, Sean, like one day a week. This way, you know, okay, you could, you could almost say, you know what? All right, Wednesday, on Wednesday, I'm going to take a piece of cake from Carol and I'm going to cut it in half <laughs> and I'll eat it. All right, I'll cut it in half and give, slide it over and I'll eat it and I'll partake. And this this way you're you're only, and it's once a week. But th- I'm telling you, th- I shit you not th- that a lot of times it's it's four days a week, sometimes five days a week have in you, the bigger places. Has, has anybody offered you cake at your, your most recent job? Cake? <clears throat> cake, no, but... Um, Chick-fil-A, macaroni and cheese, um, Chinese food and egg rolls and things like well, that. You guys have a chef where you're at there, right? You have a chef there. So when when is the Chick-fil-A and Chinese come? Is that oh, your special they, day? Well, that he he has to feed the clientele. And that's all he wants to do is feed the clientele. And it's a whole different ball game. We get called up to maybe a conference room and say, oh, lunch is here, or this is here, or that's here. And a party it says that's great it can stay there i'm busy i'm gonna do it but you gotta go try to be a you know trooper and because they people get people are weird people are just weird uh <laughs> and you know what there was one day that was cake there was one day that was cake <laughs> but um but so, so you go up and you and you know you okay you have a little macaroni cheese you have some some chick-fil-a or whatever and you weren't normally gonna do that um let me ask you a question this is specific but when they do get the chick-fil-a uh mac and cheese are they? Do you get to take your own individual little container yourself? Or you have to scoop it out. It comes when they do when they get that. It comes in via uh, Chick Fil A catering, so it'll come in in these big oh, okay, okay. silver like ten by ten, you know, pans. That was about the same, man. I would definitely grab one of those free mac and uh, cheeses for sure. You know, I, I, I'm not going to. Let me just tell you this: the last time they they did it, I leveled off on that stuff. I'm like, I'm not. I can't. I, all right, give me one. All right, give, let me get it. <laughs> Ten minutes later, ah, uh, you know what the hell? I'm in this for. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. So, so that's the thing too. It's like, come on, man. So uh, when I heard that, it's very, it, it, it's really irritating the the frequency of it. What they could do is, okay, it was Larry, Ted, Christian, and Jamie's birthday this week. Let's have a piece of cake for all of them. Here it is. 
Next week, it'll be, you know, Stephen, Maurice, Tony, and uh, Bill from Earth <laughs> Amboy. I don't know what the hell it is, but just telling you that they should do that once a week would be better because, yeah. uh, you know, look, look, the corporate culture is, is irritating as hell anyway. It really, really is. It's just one of many things, but you're right. When I heard, when I heard that headline, I thought, if it's not real, it should be. You know, that's <laughs> okay. what I thought. Yeah, because I like how it, this one particularly provoked a lot of conversation. Um, I like this one. You know, uh-huh. I don't care. I don't care when you get it right. I'm like, I'm kind of happy. I want to stump you, but it's like, okay, because you're thinking really logically, right? The cocaine bear thing was a little bit like the fact that I saw a cocaine bear and a story happened to evolve. That's a little bit far fetched. So now that I, now that you're saying you know you know how to get me, but now I know about you. I'll, I'll I could fool you with some things like that. I I'll, just I'll revealed to you some of my yeah. some of my, but I I figure what the hell. This yeah. isn't for any money or and who cares? We're having fun, you know. Absolutely. All right, so um, let's move on. Brian Koberger and Alex Murdoch cases. Um, Koberger, not many updates. Again, this is Monday. You know, they get more updates during the week. But one thing they're debating, dude. I don't know if, how you feel about this, Joe, but they're debating in Idaho. They used to have firing squad. Death by firing squad was legal in Idaho from 1982 to 2009. It was banned because one reason is. Um, that they they want to bring it back. So this one guy, Skag, whoever the Skag guy is, like a congressman or something like that. Um, what happens is, you know, they've had to cancel lethal injections because they could not find the lethal injection chemicals. So they're saying in order to make sure this person gets killed by capital punishment, they'll bring back the firing squad. And Koberger, they might legalize the firing squad before Koberger's case starts. So Koberger might get the death penalty and he might get a firing squad. So... um Honestly, I'm kind of happy about that because that's like justice for this this guy brutally stabbed people to death. They had violent ends. Ending your life, you know, being stabbed to death is not pleasant. You know, his last, his last, his last, and they, his last thing on earth could be either okay. You know, they put the they put the needle in him, or they put him in jail for life, and he thinks about what he's done, or they sees a bunch of people with these heavy guns shooting him, and he's dead within seconds. So, I'm not totally against this. I mean, how do you feel about this, Joe? You know, Sean, I see Saul back and forth on. I see Saul back and forth on this all the time too. That's why I don't always take the, you know, I don't oh I, I'm I don't always take the liberal way. It's not political with me. It's not I I I, I vacillate on this this thing because some days if you catch me, I'll say, God damn it! I hope they just give that son of a beat a hole because I'm I'm in a frame of mind. I'm in a pissed off mood. I'm a certain. And other days I try to be. I try to have my better angels say, you know what? And even with the other Joker, you know, even if they, you know what? Life imprisonment without parole, you know, that kind of a thing. It, it, with no chance of parole now, but life in prison without parole. It, 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 it and I, I, one could say, well, you're wishy washy. It's, I'm not wishy washy. I'm human. And I, 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 you catch me at a certain time and I may tell you one thing. Uh, you know, like do do that some bit. Do him. You know, he he deserves. Uh, and at other times, I think to myself. Well, what about now? How, what, what's your opinion now? This moment, time? right now, at this moment, is is if either of them get the death penalty, I would want to do it to be the most humane way to do it, and just just and say goodbye, that kind of a thing. Um, I know at times I say different things or whatever, but I think in both cases. I think, um, I think life in jail 
without possibility. That's the whole thing there. Without possibility of parole is adequate. Is adequate. Okay. Especially for the other Joker, too, because he was rich and had money and did this and that, and blah, blah, blah. Give him plenty of time to think about things. And it's like, you know what? We're all going to be dead for a lot longer than we're going to be alive. So, um, you know, what's another 20, 30 or whatever they're going to, you know, that's all. We think about it. We're going to be we're going to be not here for much, 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 much longer than we were here. We're only here for a blink of an eye. So um, that's the way I feel today. Get me good and pissed off next week, and I may say say something different. Um, you know, so it's just you know, just just how I I feel. Okay, all right. And as far as Alex Murdoch case um, today, uh, the defense wrapped up their basically they're calling witnesses to the stand. Uh, they've been defending a two shooter theory. One of their one of the people that had up on the stand has a two thirty two shooter theory. Um, he says Paul was shot by a shotgun. That's Alex's son. And Margaret, his wife, was shot by a blackout rifle. Um, he says right. shooting of Paul came first and was such a close range that the shooter would have been temporarily stunned by the explosive violence or something. Basically, they're trying to like finagle and BS their way to, to, to try to prove that this Alex guy didn't shoot his wife and son. Right, because don't and, forget and, that, that guy's theories and stuff, paying these guys. Mm-hmm. This guy, this guy got paid over 10 grand just to take the stand. Just think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so and the prosecution mm-hmm. has featured 61 witnesses over three weeks um, they plan to seek testimony from four or five rebuttal witnesses on Tuesday which is tomorrow also which I like this the jurors are going to be allowed to visit the family's sprawling estate after the rebuttal witnesses um, but prior to closing arguments so the jurors are going to get to see, go to the estate and kind of maybe we'll put them in the Give them a feel for you know how lug- how lavish and luxury, but also how crazy the crime scene is and what he was thinking. Could he have escaped you know, after killing them that quickly? And where would he have walked? Like all those little things that they're going to be probably you know whatever they're going to be observing. I think it's good that they're going to be able to go to the estate just to see what the heck was going on there. Just give them an idea. Um, also, the defense is also trying to show that investigators did a shoddy job with the case, especially securing the, the crime scene. Um, they're trying to say that, um, you know, the, one of Murdoch's uh, law firm colleagues said there was no barricades or police tape blocking the entrance to the property and his son's remains were still there after investigators left. Um, the Murdoch's brother was br- br- brother was called to the stand. He, he says it was devastating seeing his, uh, his nephew, you know, dead. So his brother was able to see his nephew, like the crime scene was still pretty much open and they let the brother go see the bodies and stuff. So you know, they might be right on that. The crime scene might have been a little bit, you know, off, not handled properly, where it could be all these little loopholes that the prosecution or that the defense can use to defend this monster, Alex. But, you know, that's that's what's going on with the case. You know, the two-shooter theory, defense wrapped it up. Prosecution still has to call like four more witnesses to rebut them. Jurors are going to go see the house. Um, so that's the update on that. Any, any comments, Joe? Well, a couple things that, because there were two guns don't forget this guy is extremely extremely smart 
Okay, he's a lot of bad things, but one thing he is—he's extremely intelligent and extremely in experienced with this kind of thing with the law. Okay, so if he's going to do something and think about it, he's going to think about ways in which he can—he doesn't have to prove his innocence, Sean. What he does has to do is just murky the waters just a little bit. If I just murk so the water isn't crystal clear, if I just murky it a little bit, oh, then everyone's going to throw their hands in the air and say. Oh, I can't make a decision. Reasonable. I have reasonable doubt. Reasonable is a very, very subjective word, isn't it? But I have reasonable doubt because X, Y, and Z. And so it's all he has to have to do is create that little bit, just drop that little bit of mud and dirt and water to make it a little murky. And that's that's their play, right? They're not going to prove anyone innocent. They're not going to, you know, come on. Uh, so if he's going to do something like this, why not have two guns? It makes it. It makes people think. Why were there two guns? Jeez. Hey, Leroy. Why do you think there were two guns? Why do you think? I don't. Isn't that weird? That's exactly what they want. So that was that was from his inception of the idea. That was that was going to be one of the few things that he used to murky the waters. Now he could use two guns. Put one behind a barn. Go use the other one. Use the other one. And then when he left there for whatever time it was, and when he was driving 100 miles an hour and doing all those things, and no one knows where he was when he was gone, quote unquote. Yo, good. Um, I just want to correct I'm happy that you remembered that he was driving fast because we talked about it in the show. So kudos to for remembering that, you know, he was driving like almost 100 miles per hour. What the hell was going on, right? Yeah, well, he was so excited to go see his mom again. I mean, <laughs> I, I just, so, I mean, let's let's get let's get down to brass tacks. So, so and if, if you're going to do something like that, that is a good thing because anything you could do to make people think, Geez, that is a little weird, isn't it, Larry? You've accomplished what you because you're just trying to, and often the people who you're trying to uh, persuade are really um, uh, very. Let's just say they're subject to persuasion. Let me. It's the nicest way I can put it. Uh, so that's 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 a with the guns. Um, with uh, I saw the brothers. Right, the crime scene. The crime uh, oh, scene was that's right out of the O.J. Simpson playbook. Now, the O.J. Simpson thing—they didn't have anything. They had a mountain of a mountain, a absolute. I'm, I'm talking Kilimanjaro, a mountain of evidence against him. But if they could discredit the police officers, because we know our jury here, if we could discredit those police officers and get—I don't care. I don't. I don't. I don't like the fact that that Mark Furman used the N word. I don't like that at all. I think that's 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 a nasty word. I don't like to use it. I don't like it used and so forth. But because he used that, that doesn't that doesn't mean that O.J. Simpson didn't do what he did. But it creates an avenue, especially for that jury. They were looking for anything. So there's one thing. And the other thing was they they actually claimed that. The police mishandled the crime scene. You remember that? Aha, Mr. Fung. Yeah. You know, that whole thing. I'm going to create a scenario in which to make it look like the police were so damn sloppy that every let's throw our hands in the air. We don't know what they did. Oh, my. It's just a play. It's a play to make this. I don't have to prove innocence. I just have to murky these waters just enough so yeah. that that so that. They're sitting in the jury and they say, it's murky. I can't see all the way through. I can almost see all the way through. And this is probably the truth, but I just can't because, and if they do that, then they're going to be successful. Yep. I hope that they're, you know, but we'll see if, if Billy, Billy Bob is on the, if on the jury, then they're going to get, they're going to get away with it. But yeah. that's what it is. You know what it is. 
solid common sense analysis. I appreciate it. Um, yep. All right, let's move on to our article. Um, so this one, this one has me like kind of pumped up. From New York Times called "Their Hair Long and Flowing or in Ponytails." Women in Iran flaunt their locks. So there's been obviously in a country like Iran, they have the hijab law, however you just pronounce it, and they make these women cover everything except their face. You know, except their face, pretty much their eyes. You know, that's the uh-huh. only thing. Everything's covered except their eyes, pretty much. Um, and it's very archaic and it's very disturbing. It's like, why are these men making these women cover their entire bodies? They can't have any self-control if they're showing their boobs or they're showing wearing, you know, suggestive outfits and just being women and just dressing up in woman clothes. And it doesn't have to be suggestive. They can't express themselves. What kind of country is making these people do this? So there's a defiant resistance going on in Iran. Um, it's a it's Iran's mandatory hijab law. Um, there's been nationwide protests that basically the protests erupted last year because, uh, a woman named Masa Amini, 22, she was in the custody of the, they have a morality police. So she was in the custody of morality police for like dressing up in regular clothes or something like that. And she died. So there's been, that's what usually happens. There's a, there's a, there's a death, there's a wrongful death. And then people rise up and say, this is wrong. Um, they want, they're demanding, there's a nationwide uprising. They're demanding an end to the hijab requirements, but also um, to re- Islamic Republic itself. So there's a little more going on there, but it's just focused on the hijab. Um, you know, this this lady, she had long brown hair tied in a ponytail, swung freely behind her, uncovered, open defiance of Iran's strict hijab law. Um, she she was at a basically like a, a, a conference speaking on stage she went on stage dressed like a normal woman. She condemned the group for supporting the hijab rules. And then she marched off stage, removing her scarf from around her neck and tossing it to the floor under a giant image of Iran, Iran's supreme leader. Um, so, you know, they have resisted the law, but has since the death of Masa Amini, it's really caused an uprising. Suddenly the women are flaunting their hair, letting it left long, flowing, you know, being beautiful women, you know. Sometimes yeah. they tie it in a bun. Sometimes they style on the bobs. Um, you know, it's like they're just allowed to express themselves. Women have this beautiful hair and this, all these beautiful qualities. Why are you hiding it all? What are you so scared of? What what sort of Islamic law is telling you that these women cannot dress normally? They have to cover their whole, what God gave them? It doesn't make any sense. Um, hijab law mandates that women and girls over the age of nine cover their hair. And they hide the curves of their bodies under long, loose robes. It's like very like, it's it's always made me angry. It's always been one of those things. I'm like, why are they dressed like this? Because especially in America too, when you see women dressing up and they're co- everything's covered, it's like, I feel so bad for them. It's like, man, you know, you can't, because they have to be, they have to be thinking. It's like, man, I want to buy this nice outfit. I want to express wear these nice clothes. I want to style myself and I can't do it. Because like this religion will possibly kill me. Um. So it's just, you know, anger boiled over in September when that woman was in morality police, was in the custody of them. She died. Um, so they're being very lax about it now. I mean, they're still enforcing it here and there, but a lot of women are openly dressing normally in Iran, walking around, um, going against the hijab. Um, so they're, they're trying to, instead of the extreme of the morality, morality police, like, you know, holding them in custody until they die and torturing them, or whatever they're doing behind closed doors. Um, one conservative lawmaker said that 
maybe alternative enforcement methods will be used, like warning women by text messaging, text message, denying them civic services or blocking their bank account. So that's that's even that's extreme. But that, that's the person who's in favor of the hijab. Um, basically, the core and heart of the movement is a revolutionary act of these women. They're turning their headscarves into the most effective and most powerful weapon against the religious dict- dictatorship and deep layer, deep layers of misogyny and patriarchy. It's exactly what it is. It dic- it's a religious dictatorship. It's misogyny and it's patriarchy, and it needs to end. Um, that their power is in numbers. And if more women do this, the more women go out in numbers and do this, yeah, they might grab a couple here and there and try to make an example of them. But the power of strength in numbers, if they're all dressing normally, eventually they're going to say, you know, let's just get rid of this. Let's the women dress the way they, in 2023, what are we doing here? Um, so there's also a petition. Some women who are, you know, in favor of not, not following the hijab anymore. Um, there's, there's photographs and names circulating on Instagram. They say they, they wear the hijab, but they're against the compulsory, compulsory hijab. So they might still wear the hijab because they're religious beliefs. But they're not doing it because they're they're you know they're they're they have to do it. They're doing right. it because they believe in it. So that should be everyone should have a choice, right? So you know when I saw this, I was like, you know, there's some progress being made. Thankfully, you know, maybe this revolution will uprising against it and the strength in numbers and the war more women start dressing normally. Um, hopefully it changes things, you know. How do you feel, yeah. Joe? Well, you know, I was talking to someone, this is like a year or two ago, talking to someone about the whole the whole thing, where you know, um, for a while, some of those groups they were decapitating people, and it's like, what the? And what the person brought out, this person was extremely well educated, and, and just shine some light on me. And she said that you know, five hundred years ago, we were doing that too. I mean, five hundred years ago, we were pretty you know barbaric too. We being you know the you know. Uh, uh, you know, European, you know, descent or whatever. But um, if you go back 500 years, we were doing dastardly things like that too. If you go back 400 years, we were throwing people, tying bricks around their feet and throwing them in the water because to prove they weren't a witch. If they came back up, they were a witch. If they didn't come back up, they weren't a witch. You know, that <laughs> kind of deal is that. I mean, the Salem witch trials and the whole. So, I mean, we have a history too of being backward and barbaric. But I think what's happening here, I just think those people are about 500 years behind us you know i really really do and i think you're starting to see just the early seeds of and and good for the women and they're going to have a long arduous process of getting back you know getting but hell it was only like a hundred and some years ago was it maybe even not even a hundred years ago that uh women couldn't even vote in our country here so I'm thinking that I'm thinking that it's just like this time thing, and they caught in a time warp, and, and I think they're about 500 years b- behind us. That's all. I, re- I, I really, really do because we were doing dastardly shit like that too, brah. Uh, yeah, not, thing, not you and I. I'm annoyed about. Let me, I'll let you continue. But one thing I'm annoyed about is the protests have largely fizzled amid a violent crackdown by the authorities that in, has included mass arrests, death sentences, and the executions of four young protesters. So there's still trying to, to squash these protests um many but many acts of civil disobedience are continuing daily including chanting death to the dictator from rooftops writing graffiti on the walls and tearing down and setting ablaze government banners so i'm all for the the uprising and the revolution in iran by these women because something needs to happen that needs to change these archaic laws like you're talking about the salem witch trials we're comparing the salem witch trials to modern day iran it's like i don't know what happened in that part of the world i'm not 
I have to be more, I have to be more educated on the history and remember exactly why it's, you know, they, they continue they were frozen in time for a while. Yeah. They're like, they're like living in like way. It's like, they're not connected to the reality. And um, there's yeah. a lot, of, there's a lot yeah. of good people in Iran and these countries, but you know, they, when they think about it, do they, do they talk like, yeah, our women are covering their whole bodies and this is okay to us. Like, is that okay to well, a lot of people there? Cause I, I can't imagine it is. Right. And I, I think, I mean, to go way back to, to just the old rationale is, is that obviously they're covered up so that man isn't tempted. And if man isn't tempted, there will be less sin going on and less sin than the almighty God will be happier and so forth. And so, I mean, that, that's the rationale. Uh, again, um, I just think, and it was really, it's just, it's, it's almost that simple when you think about it, that, um, you know, we slowly but surely, like I said, we did dastardly shit too. So, um, but we slowly but surely evolved, and these folks are either are evolving much slower, or and maybe not at all. It looks like what's going on recently with the advent of the internet and them able to get a glimpse of what's going on outside their own world. It was almost like that. It's almost like that uh, that 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 Midnight Shyamalan movie where the you remember the village or whatever it was where they had no idea yeah, yeah. one century. Well, it's yeah. sort of like that, but just on a grander scale, you know, and, you know, it did. I, I really, I really, really believe that that's, that's, that's it. It's just, the, it's the incongruence in the uh, evolution. And I think for whatever reason, they were just, they're just a, a, some centuries behind here. That's all. And who yeah. knows? I mean, we'll never see it, but I mean, you know, three, four, 500 years from now, there may be no trace of this kind of, you know, just as there's no trace of, you know, of some of the stuff that, that we so, did. I'm not trying to provoke Iran uh, no. or anything like that. No, um, no. What, I'm, think... what I'm doing is using my free speech as an American saying, this is crazy. And I, I, I feel bad for the women there. And we want them to have better lives and feel more free to like just dress in women's clothes and be themselves and not be covered up anymore. And they certainly shouldn't be killed and held by the morality police and tortured. And, you know, that shouldn't be going on. So, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just not a good thing, but I, I was happy when I read the article that there is, there's sort of an uprising going on and maybe they're making some progress. So I'm happy for the progress. And there's some of the most lovely things I've ever seen with the dark eyes and the dark hair. And they really are those, uh, the middle Eastern women are, are just beautiful. So. Absolutely. Yeah, man. All right, so moving on to uh, sports. Um, right now, the Sixers and the Knicks are on. Joe, you have the Sixers game on. They're losing by the heat. they're losing to the Heat by nine with six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, but let's see what's going on with James. I need. I have a parlay tonight. I need James Harden to hit two threes. He did that. Uh, okay, so I need a B to get eight rebounds. He did that. So right now, dude, I have parlays using the Sixers and Knicks game. Um. I need Jason Tatum to score 22.5 points. So it's basically 23 points. He has 11 points right now. There's seven minutes left in the third quarter. So he averages 30 points a game. But this is the frustrations that gamblers go through. Like the guy averages 30 points a game. And I thought I was being super safe by having him. Okay. He's going to score over 22. That's really conservative. I'm going to win a lot less money by predicting that, but it's more of a conservative safe bet. Um, I haven't had a lot of uh, uh, luck betting on Jason Tatum, but you know, hopefully he can, you know, score at least 23 tonight. We'll see. But talk about the Knicks, though. The Knicks are playing great. Ever since they haven't lost the game since they've acquired Josh Hart. They're beating right. the Celtics tonight. They beat the Celtics. We played the Celtics in January. 
Um, we beat the Celtics last time we played them in overtime. We had a big lead. We gave up the lead, but then we won in overtime anyway. Tonight we're, we're winning convincingly, but it's only mid-third quarter. People are not taking the Knicks seriously enough, dude. Like the Knicks are a dangerous team because we have the Villanova connection between Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart. The chemistry is undeniable. Josh Hart's a great he's a he's a player so underrated, and Knicks fans are real realizing that. At first, they're like, why would we give up draft picks for, for Josh Hart? Why would we trade Cam Reddish? Now they realize they're like this Josh Hart is legit. He provides so many intangibles on that floor. He dives, he gets these rebounds out of nowhere, he attacks the ball for the rebound. I mean. Josh Hart is a bit – I would not be surprised if the Knicks make the Eastern Conference Finals, dude. That's how confident I am having Josh Hart and Jalen running our team. And Julius Randle's been playing great. I'm always hesitant with Julius Randle because he, he he abused my trust a couple of years ago by not performing versus the Atlanta Hawks in the first round of the playoffs. And that really was like, ah, oh, this guy he had a great regular season, but what's he going to do in the postseason? But I'm giving Julius another chance. Um, I'm feeling good about the Knicks, man. And um, – how you feel about the Sixers, Joe? You, you know, like, tonight, tonight's just kind of, you know, the the Heat, the Heat are a pretty decent team. Oh, they're down by five now, dude. They're cutting it close. You watch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're kind of kind of closer. And then, like I, I was telling you, they they lost to the Boston Celtics. We're the best team in basketball, um, record wise, this year. And um, it, you know, they were in that game and they let us slip away. They were up big. They let us slip away. And uh, and all you can ask for when you're playing another heavyweight, if you're a heavyweight and the Sixers are a heavyweight, is with a minute left, you know, you'd like to be up by by 12. But with a minute left, are you still in the game? Or is it is there one one or two, one possession game, you know, within within a minute left? And they were the other night. Tatum sticks that three. But Tatum, Tatum threw up so many bricks that, that other night. I, I'm surprised he hit that one. So... And the guy guarding them, that's the only problem I have with that play. But um, they played well the other night against uh, the Celtics. They're playing okay here. And I just think that, um, and I've said it kind of all year long, I mean, you know, that um, they're a damn good basketball team. Um, they just unfortunately have two other teams in front of them that are that are better, The the obviously the Celtics and the Bucks. And it's going to be a tough task. It's going to be a tough task to get. Now, I don't think they can get by both of those teams. Maybe they can get by one of them. If the play out, playoffs shake out a certain way where they only have to play one of them, what the hell? I mean, because every time they play, they're, they're, they're right there. But I think the big, the big difference for the Sixers is they're not getting what these other teams are getting from bench, from their bench. And that's important. That's, you know, when, when Embiid goes to the bench or Harden goes to the bench, when these guys go to the bench, they're getting next to nothing. When other two, when Giannis goes to the bench, they're getting something. The other night, the other night, um, Giannis didn't even play. And, you know, the Bucks did really well. So um, these other teams, the Celtics, same thing. They're getting points off the bench. So I think that's what we need. Can, can that change real quick? You know, time for the playoffs? I don't know, but that's where we are. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's Sixers are people don't take the Sixers that seriously because they, they consider Celtics and Bucks the automatic choices. But I really think that the Sixers and the Knicks um can beat the Celtics and the Bucks in a in a, a seven game it, series. I mean it could yeah, it could happen. It very well it, could happen. Not Joe Joel Embiid is is like God God tier of like centers. If he's healthy, the man's amazing. He's not quite Jokic, but he's great, he's amazing, he's a difference maker. And then you have James Harden, you know, James Harden's biggest thing with his career has been, he always chokes in the playoffs. He never comes through. So if James Harden, you know, messes around. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Has himself, has himself a good playoffs. I mean, you guys, 
you're certainly not anyone to uh, take lightly. You know what I mean? The Sixers are legit. And so. not only that, but I mean, the Sixers, the Sixers just can't quote, can't beat them this year. They can't, but that is just exactly what happens. And we've seen sports so many times that this, the team that, that you can't beat, you get matched up within the playoffs and you mess around and beat them when it matters. Yeah. So, it, it, Actually, it, no, no, let's have a good game tonight. Tyrese Maxey has 23 points. He's having a good game. Yeah, finally. Now, if he'd, if he'd have done something the other night, they'd have beaten Boston. So that's the thing. If this kid Maxey can, because he's been, he's been, he's been missing now for yeah, the last four games. To be fair to him, he had eight points versus Boston, which is horrible. Yep. But versus Memphis, he had 16, which is, you know, I'm trying to see what he's averaging for the year. I mean, I'm trying to think what, so, he, oh, he's averaging 19 points a game. So yeah, he's expected to get about 20 points. So when he yeah. gets eight points, it's like, what happened, you know? Yeah, so the other night against Boston, it was like, wow, we got to get more off the bench here. Now, if that was just an aberration, uh, 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 Tobias Harris is limping off. Oh, boy, that's great. Just what we need. He was limping off, and it did not look good. Um, We're going to need him. Anyway, yeah, we we got a shot. I'll just I'll tell you that. And I think your Knicks have a shot because they're not – it's not a flash – they're they're playing some you know solid basketball and they're getting more confidence and uh, and you got a couple tough Philly boys some tough Villanova kids you know what I mean anytime yeah. you're there you you know you're gonna it's, be in the mix it's like it's like as a Villanova and Knicks fan having Josh Hart and Jalen Brunson playing pivotal roles in the team I can't be any prouder I mean I really am like just so proud yeah. and the idea of getting Jay Wright next year is just like. I don't, that would be, I used to get angry. People used to say, when's Jay going to the NBA? And I'm like, no, we want him to Villanova forever. Now that he's gone from Villanova, now that he's retired, now I'm like, okay, I'm more open to it. Cause it's like, you know, I still want to see Jay coach. I don't want to see Jay just fucking, just uh, end up just announcing. For $40. <laughs> Dude, I got a toothache, man. Yeah, I know. I, I know. got a bad toothache, bro. So that's where a lot of the, you know, I'm, I'm in pain as I'm talking, but anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> so Jay Wright, um, coaching the Knicks would be awesome. Um, and also, you know, the Knicks traded Ryan Archie Diacono, and he actually quietly had because they thought everyone thought the Blazers would kind of cut him right away, but he started because Damian Litter wasn't available the other night. Ryan Archie Diacono started and played about 33 minutes, he had a pretty good game, so he still got some ability, he's still an NBA caliber player, great locker room guy. So I'm proud of Ryan. I wish he was in New York still with Josh and Jalen, his, his buddies, the 2016 title team, but what you know. But uh, Damian Lillard, dude, how, did you hear about that? He scored 71 points last night, dude. Yes, yes. I saw the highlights of that. Donald, Donovan Mitchell scored 71 this year, too. So, you know, there's some guys messing around, getting close to 100, possibly. The, <laughs> <laughs> the trend continues, <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, no, and the thing of it is, too. Can you, explain, much, can you explain why you're laughing, just so the audience doesn't get confused? <laughs> I have a habit. Of, I just picked it up and saying, well, that really – if there's a couple different variations of it, but the clean version is, hey, you're going to mess around and do that. It's just a fun thing to say. It's fun. And you never said that. I don't think you've ever said that. And then I started saying I said, it. I used, to say, I used to say F you, around. F around. <laughs> well, yeah, we say that too. Actually, yeah, that's the other variation. But I'm on the air and I like. Anyway, um, and you never said anything like that. And just you hit me up one one day with something that said, why don't you mess around? And you didn't say mess around either. You said, why don't you F around and do this? And I just started cracking up laughing. It was because it was in a voicemail that you sent me, a voice note. I'm like, he never uses that phrase and he's using it now. So anytime you say mess around or something like that, 
uh, any variation of of that. Yeah, on, just, just it, to it, let it, the audience know, Joe's not just blatantly laughing. He's laughing because it's kind of like an inside joke thing now. Because like, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of adopting Joe's. I, it's through osmosis <laughs> or just being good friends and having well, a show well, together. Listen, I'm adopting we, we, a lot of Joe's we, little sayings. Yeah. Well, we digress. What were we talking about over here? <laughs> but we, we were talking. We were talking about uh, basketball. Oh, Damian Lillard. Oh, and as much as I'm a Philly fan, and I am through and through, and and Will Chamberlain had 100 points. Will had it against a bunch of guys that were about a foot shorter than he was. Couldn't jump an inch off the ground. You know, just just much less talented people around him when he did it. And he got most of, I bet you, 90 of those points, if not all 100, were down in the paint or on the free throw line. So one could say, well, someone's going to break that 100. Tobias looks like he's back. All right. Um, Someone could someone in this day and age is I think it's going to break that hundred and someone could say, well, that's because of the three point shot. Well, yeah, that's because of the three point shot. But you think Wilt's going to hit any three pointers? So, I mean, give the, it's easier to 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 get to that hundred mark when you're shooting three pointers. But you got to make three pointers. Right. There's something Will Chamberlain could never have done. Millard hit, so, 13, he hit 13 threes last night. Yeah. So you got to break it off. I think it'll be a guard that does it. Um, you know, so I don't know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but, uh, that was, it was quite impressive, but the shame with Lillard is he's still with Portland and he didn't want to come to Philly. Cause if he was here, we'd be the number one seed in the league, but you yeah, also have to appreciate he's got some loyalty to Portland, right? Yeah. I guess that is refreshing in the, in this day and age. I do like to see that as opposed to a lot of these guys that say, huh? These guys I played with, my teammates this year, we didn't really get there. And so I wonder where I could go. I wonder what ship I could jump on to make myself look better and to win myself a ring for me and my legacy, you know, for me. You know, for, for my for the my legacy, for me. The legacy thing like if Kevin team. Durant jumped on that Golden State team, they didn't need him. Yeah. They didn't need him a goddamn bit. They were they were seventy win team without him and before he even they were winning whether he whether he was there or not he, they were winning. Brah. The legacy yeah. thing was your pet, yeah. was one of your pet peeves for one of our first episodes. You you went off on a, a, a rant about legacies. That was pretty right, funny. and I'm not going to do it now. Tune in, tune in to some earlier episodes. There's a rant <laughs> about legacy. It's pretty funny, but we got to wrap up the show pretty soon. I just want to say Villanova basketball. Uh, we're doing better recently because obviously we got like I. Everyone knew if we get Justin Moore back, we, he's one of the best guards in the country. So, yeah, we're going to be better. But Kyle Lipton, he had some good uh, game plan versus Creighton on Saturday, a big win for us. We have two games left tomorrow versus Seton Hall, Saturday versus UConn. If we win both, uh, I believe we'll be at 17 and 14. Probably not good enough for the tournament. However, if we play well in the Big East tournament, we could, we could mess around and we could win that Big East tournament and get a bid to the tournament. So that would be nice. Um, but anyway – Great show tonight. Uh, Joe, any final words? I don't need to fight to prove I'm right. And I don't need to be forgiven. Peace. Take care.